With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, everybody. Uh, missed you guys. Sorry. Uh, I am on the road. You can tell by the background. I'm literally in an RV. Uh, the Griswold family truckster with my three pooches uh, traveling around the country a little bit. for. Uh, but Kurt Schilling, uh, the Kurt Schilling Baseball Show episode 40 is going to air anyway. Um, lots to talk about. Got to, had to wait for the uh, All-Star game to get over. Uh, kind of look around, get the landscape. Uh, always a great weekend. Uh, and for what it's worth, Bill... Um, I, I, I talked about this on, uh, on outkick the other day, major league baseball hosts the only true all-star game in sports. There is no, nothing's comparable to this. The NFL is trying to play flag football. And, and I, I understand too, by the way, the NHL doesn't play defense. The NBA doesn't play defense and it's, you know, 199 to 188 in the NBA and hockey's 15 to 12 and they play a three on three baseball is the only sport that that is a true representative of the game that you watch every day before and every day after. So, yeah. Went into the eighth uh, inning and all of a sudden you really care. Right. Right. And, and part of me loved the home field advantage thing uh, because it did matter. Um, I, I kind of get why. And I was a, a participant in a couple where it did matter. Um, but uh, it's still you don't have to do that with this game because you you can't pitch halfway, you can't hit halfway. You have to play defense, so the game is the game, and you see the greatest players in the world doing some of the greatest things you've ever seen, and this was no different. Nationally, getting a rare win, uh, but we're at the break, and the break is it generally past the halfway point, uh, a little bit, not not far, but but it's it's time to take stock. Uh, and woe is the fan in Washington, in uh, Oakland, in uh, Kansas, Kansas City. City. I feel bad. Yeah. I feel bad. I, I, I really do. I, I feel bad for St. Louis because they're just not playing well. Um, but those those have to be miserable situations. The A stuff is just, you know, the sooner they get to Vegas, the better. That's just a nightmare situation. The ownership in that city uh, deserve to lose that team. Um, in, in the ownership, I should say more than that, but the fans stopped supporting them a long time ago and you can't blame them. Um, Kansas city is just, it's gut wrenching to see that, uh, a franchise that was very good when I was growing up, uh, has decided not to spend money, even though they have, I think one of the richest owners in the game, um, and they're paying for it because it's a great baseball city, much like St. Louis Midwest. Uh, uh, yeah. Speaking of St. Louis, totally underperforming. And I got to ask you, Bill, are there sadder fans in baseball than fans in New York? No, no. <laughs> um, the I Mets mean, fans listen, are a mess. That, well, they should be. They're 18 and a half back. And, and seven out of a wild card. Right, right, right. They're they're out of it. Uh, uh, and I'm going to say this with extreme amounts of confidence. The, the, the It's not the manager's fault in either city. I know both guys. I know them very well. Um, these teams are horribly underperforming, I think, in the case of the Mets. Uh, and I think the Yankees have been hit and, and been nailed by a ton of injuries. Now, they need to play better, but still, I think the injuries have been a huge factor. Uh, well, and in, I in think New if York. Aaron Judge gets healthy, the Yankees all of a sudden will start playing much better baseball. Well, yeah, I, I, I you know, baseball isn't in many ways. It's not like the Bulls missing Michael Jordan and he comes back and changes the lineup. Because in, in baseball, you can avoid a one man beating you. Um, but yes, I, I agree. I think they'll be a better team. I don't know if they can play nine games better than the Rays. They don't have to because of the wild card and the expansion of the postseason. Um, but yeah, uh, they're very, the Yankees are very much in the wild card race. Right, All they have to right. do is play five games better than the Rays. Oh, they're which a game will out right now, right? Yeah, yeah they're right, a game, they're a game out. out. Orioles, Jays, uh, Astros. 
Uh, which I, and I think I said this early in the year I, uh, that that you could see the wild card. All three teams come from the AL East. Oh, absolutely. Uh, which would mean four of the five teams in that division would be in the playoffs. Which I mean, <laughs> I know it's crazy, but the Sox are two out of the wild card, which I think might shock a lot of people. Not in Boston. Correct. Correct. So, um, but you know, a lot of storylines, a lot of good storylines. The shock uh, to me, the 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 story. Uh, of uh, as much as I would like to say, uh, I called it. I don't think it is the first half story. The Orioles, I think, are a huge story, huge story. Leading the wild card, uh, they're legit in every aspect. I think they're 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 founded. Uh, their foundation is there, and and I think they're going to. Uh, Adley Rushman's going to be a Hall of Fame caliber player as long as he stays healthy. But the story in the American League, it, it has to be the Texas Rangers. Um, and all that, no one. Uh, I think a lot of people looked at that division and said, you know, Astros Mariners were up and coming last year. And I think we thought, you know, that they were going to be a player. They are uh, in a sense, they're, they're four out of wild card, six out of the division, but I don't know that any, let me check that. I don't know that a lot of people were that down on the Rangers, but I think no one would have picked this without Jacob deGrom. Right. Who pretty much has been absent and won't be back. For the next year he they're two up on the astros and i think if you had said at the beginning of the year the ground's going to make six starts in the first half you would have said the rangers are going to be where probably where the angels are um which by the way very disappointing again to see the angels be where they are but that's going to lead to a much bigger story anyway so a lot of people are going to be excited about that um so yeah i rangers orioles to me the rays are just good a good organization run from the top down um would love to see them get into a situation where ownership in that city would spend money um, I don't know if that market supports it. I think that I still believe that team needs to move along with the Marlins, but um, you know, that's, that's kind of uh, a, a story for another day. If we go to the national league uh, Braves are who we thought they are right. Uh, Dennis green, um, the shock there. And I think they're equal shocks. Although I think one of them is kind of a late bloomer shock and a bigger story. Uh, the Diamondbacks and the Reds. Holy crap. Absolutely. Uh, and and now we have to talk about the Marlins, but I think we all thought that the Marlins had some pretty good young talent. I think we thought the Diamondbacks and the Reds, I don't think anybody thought the Reds had what they had. Um, the problem is going to be that, uh, well, there's a couple problems. Uh, the Reds uh, could be a bit of a paper tiger. I hate to say that because I love what they're doing. 22 and nine, the last 31 uh, Dela Cruz is very special uh, in every aspect, in every sense of the word. But they're sporting a 5.91 ERA. And your offense is not going to hit every day of the second half. You have to, that has to change. So that becomes a, a, a team that you look at at the deadline because I think they're for real. I think they're talented. I think they're, they're, they're long term, potentially very good. Um, you know, again, De La Cruz is a generational talent, along with the I, I keep O'Neill Cruz from Pittsburgh. Those kids, they're special, special players. A lot of special players in the big league. But those, he has been at the forefront of the Reds' resurgence in the last month or so. He's done some things. I mean, he's and you talked five. about he's, fan bases, Kurt. Yeah, the Cincinnati Reds have reborn their fan base. Right, they'll play in front of full stadiums the rest of the year. Well, this and if you remember this, the Reds used to be the figurehead in May. Yeah. If you you know in baseball for for you younger fans, the Cincinnati Reds used to kick off the major league season every year. The Reds played first, uh, for the most part on a Sunday right before Monday opening day. The Reds were the, kind of game. the lone game afternoon game. They were kind of the lone team, and they uh they sold out. They were packed, uh, in a horrifically bad stadium. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that the 1970 Big Red Machine was one of the most dynasty-driven uh, franchises in, in Major League history. One of, I think they, they reminded me of the 70 Steelers in the sense that I think the entire lineup was Hall of Fame caliber. Rose and Bench and Geronimo Griffey. Concepcion. Uh, uh, Concepcion, Gullet. Uh, you had a great team. And they played them in the A's in the 70s. Oh, yeah. Um, and how far they've fallen, uh, which, it you know, that stinks because, again – um Cincinnati is a very very special place so well um, I will tell you though the Reds pitching staff I mean Hunter Green is the real deal and the kid they brought up in June Andrew Abbott has pitched great 
and there's two up at the top, which gives you a chance. And on the backside, well, that kid. Right, right. You Alexis say two Diaz at the top. Right. But the problem is you say two at the, the top rest. with no, no track record, though. That's true. Right. Young kids both who yeah. ha- haven't pitched into not only haven't pitched into August for the most part, but have probably never pitched into September and have never pitched in meaningful games, you know, 120 innings into a season. None of, doesn't mean they can't. Uh, it's going. I think this is where, when you look at a team and you look at a, a coaching staff, this is where a pitching coach is everything. Yeah. Because a, a good, a Johnny Padres, uh, uh, a John Farrell kind of a pitching coach, can steer kids through August and September because they can say, "Hey, listen, this is what's going to happen. This is how it's going to be. This is how you're going to feel." None of this should, and and so none of that comes as a shock to you as a young player. Uh, it, it it's still you know you, your dad tells you a million times not to touch the stove, but you have to touch it and burn yourself. There's still the experience they need. Um, you know you haven't faced uh, uh, Shohei Otani in, in a September game that matters for your division title, things like that. Not again, they may step up, but I, this I love the thought of developing players in that environment. Right, because next year when they're good, this won't come as a shock. Big games in August, September, but that five point nine uh, ERA to me, if the ownership is real and 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 they had a great draft again this year, if the ownership is real, they will be a buyer at the deadline for starting pitching. They will be a potential Max Scherzer landing place, um, or 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 you know whatever that might be, because they do have a ton of young talent as well. Um, the other team, the Marlins, uh, you know, this kind of on coming from the other side of the coin, top 10 in ERA strikeouts in major league baseball, not in the national league, ERA strikeouts, whip and opponents average, um, their offense is hitting loose areas. And we, you and I talked about it, uh, in April, this guy could be a legit 400 contender. Uh, and you saw it, it, the all-star game again, you just see things, you see players who, who are what they are. He sees two pitches. He single swipes. He's super two. Right. Um, <laughs> he's got a chance. He's got a legitimate chance. The problem is uh, he's a contact guy, so he won't walk. And and one of the, the keys I've always felt to hitting 400 is being able to draw the base on balls when you're struggling. You're, you're, not, you're not getting out of outs because contact a lot of times, you know, with rare exception, and I think he's a rare exception, contact is, is a dice roll. Uh, it's a coin flip sometimes because you have to, but, but you can see his ability to guide the ball is very Rod Carew-esque, Pete Rose-esque, Tony Gwynn. Uh, he can manipulate a ball through the infield. Um, and that's a gift. He's a special talent. It's going to be fun to watch. I hope like hell there's a, a chase um, because there's not, I can remember, gosh, it was 33 years ago, George Brett in 1990. Right. Um, every day. George Brett was on the front page of every sports page in the country with the little box that had his batting average and everybody was following every at bat. And now, you know, now you're going to see with social media, every one of his at bats going into September, if he's still fighting, this thing is going to be available to watch. I I think the key, the key with the kid is the first slump, which Brett went through career went through and right. figured it out to still be in play come the 1st of September. And the problem with a guy who, quote-unquote, slumps as a contact hitter is he doesn't stop hitting the ball. He, he just stops hitting the ball where players aren't. And George Brett, I don't know how much of a ball manipulator he was from the standpoint of being able to, you know, George Brett had power. He was a he was an all-around kind of a multi-tool hitter. Um I don't know that this kid has the, you know, I, I, I want to believe he does, but, but when you have uh, uh, a slump, so to speak, uh, as a contact hitter, it's not like other hitters. Hitters that go in slumps will swing and miss. They'll go 0 for 21 and punch out 13 times. Whereas areas will go 0 for 21 and strike out zero times. Right. The problem is unlike a George Brett, where he go, instead of 0 for 21, he goes 0 for 11 with 10 walks or Gwynn, it's 0 for 21 with 21 outs. So 21 right. at bats versus, you know, and that has a dramatic impact. And and a lot of, a lot of the um, later uh, in the last 30 years, anybody that you've talked about as a contender, and there've been a couple there. I can remember Larry Walker at the break. There are a bunch of guys hit yep. 390 at the break. Um, is health. 
and, and, and not in the way you think. George Brett almost hit 400 because he was hurt for most uh, a part a big part of the season. So to, he only ha- he had barely the minimum at bats to qualify. Right. Which math is simple. It's very it, it's far easier to hit 400 over 350 370 at bats than it is over five or 600. Uh, so and with the Marlins so in contention, yep. there he is is going to be at the plate every game. Right. And his God given skill and the skill he's perfected uh, doesn't slump. Guys That's that can a good make point. Con- it does, but it, but it's weird. Like I said, when you're putting the ball in, he can go four for four on a night, and the next night hit this four same exact balls in the same spot and be zero for four. Right. Right. That's the that's the difference. And that's so, yeah, and and it it really has a lot to do too with, and I got to tell you, if I'm pitching to him before the shift. I'm I'm very comfortable. I'm I'm moving my my second baseman to the shortstop side of the bag as a left-hander. I'm saying, hey, listen, I'm going to throw him fastballs away. I'm going to throw him down. He's going to hit a ball on the left side. I'm going to bring my center fielder over to the left center field and move my left fielder way in. And I'm going to bunch the left side of the infield and just let him hit balls to the left side. Now, what he can't do is get out of himself, right? I, I you see an offense shift or defense shift as much as they can against the rules now. He can't go out to after that outside pitch and try and hook that ball in the hole. He's got to stay himself and get that ball over the infield to the left side or hit it in the hole, whatever. Uh, you can't let frustration change your approach. Uh, but but I love the, the commentary around the All-Star game. He, you know, you saw, I don't know if you saw it, but a lot of the All-Stars were telling him they were rooting for him, and he was like, hey, you know, oh, yeah. he was kind of excited about that, which I thought was, was very cool. Um, to a, a situation that isn't very cool, St. Louis. And I, 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 it's one of the teams that I regret never having played for because what it was a great city. It is a great city, and the fans are phenomenal. Um, probably one of the bigger disappointments. And I don't know. That might be strong because I didn't have the Cardinals as a powerhouse. I had the Cardinals as possibly a winner in the Central because the Central didn't look strong to me. Oh, Not and it's still I really, were, I mean – it's not that strong. The, no, the Reds and the isn't. Brewers aren't don't have runaway no, records. No, no, no. But nobody saw the Reds up top with the Cardinals no. eleven. Nobody saw the Reds eleven and a half games better than the Cardinals at the break. I don't no. believe. No. But but I didn't see the Cardinals being a dynasty type division winning team because they were so good. It's like you said, I saw it as maybe the division division might not be as good. They can't pitch. Their 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 starters have an ERA around five. I mean, this is kind of staggering. The opponent's batting average against their starting staff is 295. That's absurd for a single pitcher, much less a group, much less a group. Uh, and then the 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 knee breaker, uh, the the back breaker, the same thing. I think that's really had a dramatic impact on the influence in New York is blown saves, late losses. They blown 16. Yeah, which is tied for the most in baseball. Um, they're tied with the Nationals for the lo- third lowest swinging strike rate and have allowed the thir- third most hits of any team. In short, they're hittable. Uh, great. That's a great, great summary, John. Uh, John does a lot of stat compilation. John and Cal are, are the guys that help us do the show. John is the guy who kind of provides the guiding notes that Bill and I, Bill goes over and I, we talk about, and there's some really cool stuff in here, and that's a good one. They're that a hittable a staff. One. They're a hittable staff. And, and the problem is – that man, if, if you're a hittable, that's one thing you won't see on successful teams in October, right? Because hittable staffs, they may make the playoffs, but you don't you don't get through the playoffs. You have to have swing and miss pitching to win in October. Uh, they're 21, they're ranked 21st in outs above average, which means they've given away. There's only 20. There 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 are 20 teams better than them at playing defense in a sense. Um, and when you have a, an, a pitching staff that doesn't miss bats, you can't have a defense that doesn't catch or doesn't execute fundamentals. And if you think about the Cardinals, they've always been that team. The Cardinals and Orioles to me are, are, are kind of, they've always been facsimiles of each other. Player development organizations, they bring up young players, they're baseball players when they get to the big leagues. Great uh, fundamentals. They, they understand the Cardinal way, the Oriole way, and they play professional baseball. Everything happening in St. Louis is is would, t- would lead me to believe otherwise, and I can't imagine the fans being very happy about You that. know, we talk fantasy every once in a while. You know Jordan Montgomery, Jack Flaherty, 
Miles Mikolos and Adam Wainwright were all drafted in the top half of drafts. Yep. Well, that just which goes right, which goes along with what preseason expectations was. It wasn't that I, I I think those guys, most of them, were drafted as rotation fillers in a good way. Right. Going to get me right. wins. It's going to is is his his peripheral numbers are going to be manageable. They're not going to blow up for me. Um, because everybody expected them to be good. You can't, you, you know, when you're drafting fantasy pitchers, there is a, an absolute uh, prerequisite. And I think good when good, good fantasy players do this, you have to look at the defense behind the pitchers and the ballpark, right? The ballpark, St. Louis is a fly ball park. If you're, if you want to execute and win in that park, it's a fly ball park. You want to, you want guys that are fly ball pitchers with a good outfield in a fly ball park. Um, and I think that they've kind of gone against them. And then, you know what? Let's just jump to the other side of the spectrum. Uh, I expected them to be good. I I think I might have uh, – uh, and I'll, I'll, we'll go back and look. We're, and by the way, I'm going to say it again. We're going to go back and look at our preseason stuff. And I'm going to have John and Cal dredge up all of our talks and predictions preseason to see if, how good and bad we were. But I know we were talking about the Braves as a very, very good team. Um might have the best player off. I'm sorry. Let me check that. I, I have to remember that Otani is alive and he's real. Might have the best offensive player uh, in the game, in Acuna, um, who I don't know that 50-50 is out of reach for him. I don't – I think it's in reach. And I can't think of another player alive. Well, Alex Rodriguez might be one that I may have thought that of. Um, I don't know that there's another play alive that you could say, you know, he's a, he's a legit 50, 50 guy if he stays healthy. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, maybe I may, I, again, we'll go back and look. I expected the Braves to be good. I'm not sure that I expected them to be this good, but in all of these conversations that we're having, you can go back and trace them uh, a, a basis of this conversation to the thing we did talk about very, uh, ardently the season which was the change in the schedule the cincinnati reds are better because the cincinnati reds are getting uh more rockies uh you know more nationals than they were getting uh uh you know the, the better teams in their division the miami marlins same way they're not getting they're they're losing uh i think it's six games per so they're losing six to the braves six to the Mets, six to the Phillies and getting uh, three or four from the Pirates and, and the bad Cardinals team and a bad Rockies team. Um, I think all of these conversations have something to do with that. Same thing with the Braves, um, but they're really good. And and you, if you go back to the nineties, when the, everybody talks about the nineties and, and Glavin and Schmoltz and Maddox, people forget they didn't pitch alone. They had a phenomenal offense. They had Chipper Jones. They had Fred McGriff. They had they had Ron Gant, Dave Justice, Ryan Klesko, uh, Javi Lopez. They hit. They could have had average pitching and still probably been contenders, if not won most of those division titles that they did win. Um, the problem was they never had swing in this pitching, except for Smolsey, who was the only guy in September you feared uh, in October. Now they do, though. Uh, everybody has swing in this pitching now, for the most part, except for the Cardinals. Um, but the Braves are, let's see, what is it? Uh, top three in runs scored slugging on base percentage team ERA uh, eighth in batting average allowed leads major leagues in home runs, uh, right behind the Braves on the major league home run board is the Dodgers and Rays. Braves are 27 and four in their last 31. They're the 11th team in the last 23 years to win at least 60 games before the break. So what do you do as a Braves fan? You just want health for the second half. You want to, and I, I heard this uh, for the first time in uh, in hockey playoffs this year, which I think it's a legitimate concern. You have to manage workload in the second half, especially with your young pitchers. Right. You know, you want those kids to be as fresh as they can be, because the adrenaline will be there in October. What I don't want is adrenaline to overtake fatigue from the standpoint of a young kid trying to do more than he can because of how he feels physically. Um, right. And, and, and so and manage the workload. And, Freed and, I, and Soroka and Strider, you, you want right. to limit innings. 
And well, yeah, you want, no, no, you want to limit the high stress stuff. So what I do want to eliminate is eight, you know what I'm saying? I want to eliminate eight innings in a one run game. I'm okay with seven innings in a 13 to two game. Gotcha. Right. Because so, so that's what, and and that's where I think you have to manage the young pitchers is uh, in a one nothing game. If I throw 85 pitches over eight innings, I'm far more drained, tired and sore the next day than in a nine nothing game where I threw 122 pitches over nine. Not even close. Uh, and, and as as I got older, that changed. But when you're young, everything, you know, everything was uh, uh, max effort. And then you start to learn. Um, so what, I guess what does that all mean? Um, I, I'll tell you what I think it means. Uh, I think it means that uh, the trigger gets pulled in New York very, very soon. Uh, and they're 18 and a half back. They're not they're not. There's no chance that they even sniff no. the NL East. Um, and I think, I don't think there's much of a chance of them being the wild card team. Uh, Me either. So what does that mean? Verlander, Scherzer, uh, you know, Senga, uh, who, who has been up and down, um, I don't but, think... but let's go back. Hey, WBC, what did I tell you? Yeah. Was, was, was being a winner in the WBC or, or having your player in WC worth Edwin Diaz, uh, out for the year, because right. I got to tell you, they're, they're blown saves and late inning bullpen stuff is directly tied to. Buck having to rearrange his bullpen at the last minute. Absolutely. And, and, and that's, that's not an excuse to, 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 for it's, it comes down to the player. Listen, and I told you this, uh, uh, Bill Buck Showalter is as good a player manager as anybody from the standpoint of, he will never have the wrong matchup. He will never have the wrong pitcher against the wrong hitter or the wrong hitter against the wrong pitcher. That being said, you put your position, your players in the best position to succeed. The players have to perform. And the fact of the matter is they're not doing that. No. And I got to tell you, you know what, Pete Alonso, just run the bases, dude. I get it. You're a home run hitter. Your team's 20 games out, horribly underperforming. You're pimping a home run in a game that you – that where this – I mean, come on. You know, I, I want to I root for the kid um, because it's a good story. But don't be a dick, right? <laughs> right. Don't be a dick. Here's the thing. All of the attention on your team right now, none of it is positive. None of it. And, and not that that not that that is a big deal, but but he's playing in New York. Let me remind you, and I said this early, I've said this before. In New York, in Boston, to some degree in Philadelphia, and, and I'm not thinking everywhere right now, Boston too. You play three games a day. You play the pregame media, you play the game, and then you play the postgame media. Don't give the media more to talk about in a negative sense than they already have. Because in New York, they're going to make stuff up. They're going to create, because that's what the New York media does. There's very few, never has been very many good media people in New York because of, in my generation, because it turned into a shock profession. I want a headline. And give me a headline. And, 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 and New York, I thought, was the first place ever became, I want the news first rather than, fa- uh, I, I want the news first and fast rather than accurate. And you've got two markets in New York competing um, and the Mets. And here's the thing. You're in New York. You, that's you signed the contract. You do. You, you know what you're getting into. And, and, you know, and, and I think we talked about this as well. New York has to always approach. And I think Brian Cashman has done a great job of it. You, they have to approach a free agent signing with the New York factor included as, as a, a, a piece of a trade or a, a signing that other teams don't. Philadelphia is the same way. Boston's the same way. Chicago's the same way. I think um, there's a piece to it. They're both these teams suck. Uh, the Yankees, I think they'll. Uh, I think uh, Booney. Uh, I I I, I got to tell you, it's it went under the radar. I absolutely love Sean Casey as the new Mets hitting coach. Um, and and you'd have to know Sean to understand why it will be physically and psychologically impossible to not be happy in the Yankees clubhouse for the rest of the year. Sean Casey is one of the most positive human beings I've ever met. He is infectious in a Rex Hudler kind of way. Like it's impossible to be in a room with Sean Casey and not feel good about yourself when you leave. Not to mention the guy hit 302 in his career. He was a hell of a player. Well, and if hell you, of a player. If you believe the New York media, he may have Shohei Otani in that dugout because they already have that is the destination. Right. Well, again, that the New York media has everybody going to New well, York. Of course. But... Right, right, right. But 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 it's true though, because 
And if New York is really, if the Yankees are legitimately a player, and they're a player for everybody, so there's no reason not to think they aren't, right? Not to mention, how does Shohei Otani not look at the right field porch in Yankee Stadium and say, yeah, I'm in. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but but if there's a team that would go out there and say 10 years, $625 million, is there any doubt the Yankees would be that one team? No, there isn't. And they have a lot of young talent. They can make the trade. It's that that's the next story we're going to talk about, but, but yes, I, I, New York, the writers always have everybody going to New York because everybody, New York is always a possibility for everybody, which I think is, is funny and great. It's good for baseball. Um, but Sean Casey going in as the hitting instructor is a, a, an under the radar, enormously big move. Um, I, I laugh because I look at that pitching staff and in my head, I'm saying to myself, you give me 60 days with that pitching staff and we'll, we'll, we'll have a 650 winning percentage the rest of the season. Um, and, and because the pitching coach at this point becomes an enormous and a good pitching coach becomes an enormous influence and not, I'm not talking about making Garrett Cole a different pitcher. I'm talking about being able to walk these guys through what August and September, July, August, September look like on a good team in a big game and how you can, there's different approaches. Things change. Now you have to approach and be different. Um, uh, physically, psychologically, you're, you're, you're generally seeing the league for the third time. Uh, you're not seeing usually anybody for the first time. Um, so interesting stuff. Um, but I think New York is going to be a huge seller. Um, and I think Steve Cohen, uh, the unfortunate part is every owner in the game is laughing and smiling about it because yes, they, they don't are. like what Steve Cohen did. And, and I, I, I feel bad in the sense that I wanted to see, I, Buck Schulte is going to win a world series somewhere. Um, and I thought this was the team, but they, they've just underperformed and, and the Diaz injury don't go to sleep on the fact that that was a massive, massive thing. Um, and not as much on the game itself by getting the saves, but on the fact that late in losses are far more impactful and devastating to a team than any other kind of loss. So uh, speaking of losing, uh, heading into the break, uh, the Angels are were one and nine in the 10 games going in. And the fact of the matter is Shohei Otani has now, not quietly, but, but through his interpreter and, and I'm not, I, listen, guys, um, I've been involved in the game as a player, excuse me, long enough to know that there is a, uh, and, and Bill, you may find this interesting. There is a, uh, uh, you need to have a Japanese interpreter explain to you commentary by a player. Cause the interpreters don't always translate what the player says verbatim. Right. The interpreter will take a message. The player player might say, you know what? This guy sucks. And the interpreter would will translate that as uh, yeah, Shohei says that he thought he had a bad night. I mean, to that level and that degree. And so, because I remember when Dice K was in in uh, and, and um, oh my goodness, I totally forgot his name. Uh, the left-handed reliever we had who was so instrumental in us winning the World Series in 07. Anyway, uh, uh, I would I would we had a couple uh, Japanese speaking people in the organization couple uh trainer uh and then they had their interpreters and i can remember multiple times when i was told by the uh, a japanese uh, uh or an asian or japanese speaking member of the the team uh whether it be a coach or whatever that's not what he just said he just said this and i thought and and i get it but i think that there is a a um less of an independent voice for the Asian player. I, 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 and this is, this is me. I, this is not something I know, something I always gleamed. I always felt like there was an overriding message that Japanese players wanted to send as a group or not were under orders to send because it's Japan and they can do and say what they want. But there was always a sense of national pride that interpreters would never let players embarrass themselves. Now, you know, I don't no, know. I totally believe that, Kurt. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I heard enough from like I said, from other Asian speaking and Japanese speaking and Korean speaking uh, members of our staff, to, to, that hey, that's not actually what he just said. To know that that there's some degree of that, um, which I think is interesting. That in one of the All Star press conferences, Otani actually said, "You know, playing for the Angels, losing sucks." Yep, and that was actually interpreted as losing sucks. Yep. Yep. For that to because, come out, that to me right. was a big deal. It's a huge deal because it, it's a huge deal because you go back all the way to Nomo 
uh, and you think about Ichiro and all of the, I mean, these guys are supremely talented. No, Tani might be the most talented human being we've ever seen. Um, they are, were always about the team. They never made comments that drew attention to themselves, even though Ichiro was, was psychologically, uh, I think a 1960s flower child, um, he was a very deep thinker and said a lot of things that were very like, wow, he's really into, you know, um, they don't ever do things that draw attention to themselves, especially quotes like that. Yeah. And, and listen, when you're saying whether he knows this or not, maybe he doesn't, I don't know, but when you, and I, because I was guilty of it at times too, when you say, you know, God, we suck. And you're a guy that isn't sucking. Shohei Otani's not referring to himself, right? He's not saying I suck. He's hitting 320. Leading the league in home runs. He's at the ace of the staff. He's having a great year. He's saying that the 24 guys I'm playing with aren't are bad players. Not obviously, I'm 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 paraphrasing, right? But what do you think that quote gets in New York, Bill? Oh, oh, they're still writing about it. Because because I'll tell you the difference. In Anaheim, the writers don't do what the writers in New York would do. In New York and Philadelphia and Boston, the writers would leave his locker and immediately go to another player's locker and say, hey, Otani just said you guys suck. Looking for a reaction. Right. Then then it becomes a story outside of the real – all of those things. And those are things – you know, Otani is going to bring massive, massive amounts of of following and revenue wherever he goes, right? You're looking at 100 extra press passes every night. You're looking at uh, hundreds of millions of dollars in added revenue through merchandising, through television, through advertising, all of those. His contract will pay for itself in the first year, By I, I swear, and I'm not exaggerating. When you think about the tens of hundreds of millions of dollars tied up in television advertising, now you open up yourself to the most popular Japanese player in history. That market is now going to become – you're going to have more Japanese viewers than American viewers for, for games of teams he plays for. Which is why I I think that plays into whether they trade him this year or not because of all the revenue he's bringing into the Angels, even with them going one and nine. Yes, in the yes. Last it's different though in this sense. In in and I, I'm again, this is just me. On the nights he pitches, everybody watches the Anaheim Angels. I'm not so sure that's the case on the night he doesn't pitch. He still gets four or five at bats. <laughs> I I totally agree with you. But when was the last time you turned the TV on to watch one hitter play for one team? That was horrible. Nope, that's true. Right? I I hear you. I'm the same way. I'm going to watch him play because I want to see him hit. I want to see him, you know, all those things. But when you're talking about television ratings that will go, that's why I think his trade price is way higher than what it might normally be, right? Uh, hey, listen, we're going to trade you this guy. And you, most teams are going to say, well, listen, I can't – I'm not going to sign him. I'm not giving you three top prospects. Now there are going to be teams saying, oh, okay, uh, what do you want for him? Because they recognize – the Yankees recognize this dude's another $150 million in, in advertising revenue. He's, oh, yeah. uh, you know, $50 million in merchandising revenue. So I don't, who cares? If, I mean, we want to re-sign him. We think we can. But even if we don't, he's going to make us better. And we might make the playoffs. We make the playoffs. Holy crap! Yeah. What is the what is the Asian audience for the the the, the team that he plays for in the play? There's an enormous revenue. I, I always say, and I use this number very very lightly because I'm it might be way higher and it might be lower. A World Series is a billion dollar uh, windfall for a team. When you factor in all the things that it translates sure. to, right? It's a for for a, for for a team for the Yankees, no, way more. Yeah. For the two. for the Red Sox, way more. For the Mets, the East way Coast more. teams, two billion. Right, right. For the Diamondbacks, nah. You know, for sure. the Mariners, maybe yes, because that's a huge Asian market. Um, and and by the way, that's kind of my sleeper team for Otani. Um, and you saw at the All Star game, did you not? So, and, and, sure. I, and I'll talk about that in, at the end here because I'm going to mention some All Star moments. Um, and one of them is is kind of like that moment. The new rules are working. Uh, you and I talked at length about yes. this, Bill, and and uh, the things that we thought I the the the, the pitch clock uh, you knew it was going to increase the the uh, decrease the game time, and it has two and a, uh, almost a half hour, um, which is a huge deal. Um, 
you saw teams change their beer selling policies, which I thought was funny because they're not going to miss that half hour of beer sales. Very so true. they're going to right. <laughs> stolen bases are up by almost 25%. You have to understand what an enormous number that is because we're talking about 32 teams up doing something a quarter, a 25% more than they did last year. That's a lot. Uh, and we knew it was going to happen. Um, and so uh, I, I think you're going to see, and you saw Dela Cruz the other day steal second, third, and home, which was embarrassing. Awesome that he did it, but it's embarrassing because that's the result of a, a pitcher's getting five minutes in the minor leagues and getting to the big leagues and not understanding how to hold runners. That should <laughs> never happen ever. It's as a pitcher, it's 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 frustrating. It's embarrassing because it's it's it's. Yes, he's incredibly talented, but that's it. Shouldn't ever 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 happen. A runner should never be able to steal home. Um, not to mention, not, it wasn't even on a pitch, by the way. It was because everybody was just standing around with their fingers in their butts, not paying attention. Um, Here's my question to you about the new rules. Do you yep. think the new rules have benefited to some teams and some teams haven't adapted, or do you think it's equal across the whole league? I, I You know what? Everybody plays by the same rule. Right. So you, you either max Scherzer spring training and adjust and figure out how you can use the rules to your advantage or you just play, or you complain about it. And I think most, any any good managed team, you've seen them, they adjust, right? Buck Showalter, Terry Francona, the good managers in the game, Aaron Boone. Okay, you know, you can, be, almost a Belichickian response. Bitch all you want inside this room, but after we leave this room, I don't want to hear another word about it because there's nothing you can do about it. Everybody has to play by the same rules. Deal with it. And, and, you know, I, I, I question, I really want to see some science behind this because, you know, one of the questions that uh, you had mentioned and John had ac actually asked is shorter game times uh, help older teams uh, or, or younger teams? I guess I would ask you if, if I have to do 30 sprints or let's say I have to do uh, uh, 105 10-yard sprints, Am I more exhausted having to do them in two and a half hours or three? Right. I don't know the answer to, you know what I'm saying? I don't know the answer to that. I'm guessing the three hours. Um, and, and I've watched and you can see if you, you know, I, and I was, I actually went back and looked at video myself to see if there was similarities. Um, I was always not laboring, but I was breathing heavy. I've seen guys breathing like they're kind of wind sprinty exhausted. Um, I think you've seen the last uh, Rich Garces, for the most part. I think you've seen the last fat pitcher um, uh, because cardio is is now in play way more than it used to be. Because now, again, you you have to make those, and, and I'll call them 10-yard sprints because that's to me that's the exertion of a pitch. You have to make those 15, 10-yard sprints inside of 20-second intervals as opposed to hmm, 10 minutes. So yeah, it's different. Yeah. Um. So and so I don't, but I don't know what that means. I, I does it? Is it? Is it a short-term exhaustive thing that that actually ends up being a long-term benefit because you're not on the field as long, right? Though th those, because the reverse is true, right? If if I'm in the box for a shorter period of time, my, my defenders are also in the field for a shorter period of time. Which in the dog days of August, when day games, when it's 145 on the on the field, absolutely beneficial to the everyday players. Um, which is going to so be I, interesting in places yeah. like Texas. Yes. I'm going to, I want to see the science because there's science behind this. And you know, I've got, God, if Theo was still, I, I guarantee you, Jed Hoyer in Chicago, holy crap. I guarantee you they have data about oh, sure. know, how our players play after a day game or before a night, whatever. So, uh, okay. Listen, I'm going to close it out with uh, my top all-star moments. Um, my first two are memories. Um, well, actually, no, they're the, my first three, uh, Reggie Jackson homering on the roof of Tiger stadium. I think it was 72 or 73 as a member of the A's, which now guys go over the roof routinely. And Mantle did that like when he popped the ball up, but it was a big deal when he did it. But the first real vivid all-star memory I have, uh, I grew up, I told you this, I grew up a pirate fan was Dave Parker throwing to Gary Carter from right field in the all-star game. And I can't remember who he threw out, but it was one of the, it, it's still to this day, 
is up there with some of the Clemente throws as one of the best throws in the history of the game. Um, and that was in the all-star game. And, and then finally the, the Pete Rose on Ray Fossey, although I, you know, I felt bad for Ray Fossey, that moment would never happen in another all-star game. No. And that is the purity of the baseball all-star game. Go back to, uh, if you remember, uh, uh, 2002 was the Thai all-star game in Milwaukee, right? Two, yeah, two, I think 2001 or 2002. Anyway, you remember Torrey Hunter robbing Barry Bonds of a home run? Yes. That doesn't happen in other all-star games. No. Right? So so the moment. So my personal ones, uh, my number one is my uh, that same all-star game. I, I got the start. Uh, and uh, my first son was uh, oh five years old at the time. So he was with me getting autographed. It was awesome. Uh, and the day before, Fox had mic'd me up. Uh, and I decided that I was going to challenge Alex Rodriguez. And so I went to the batting cage before BP when the American League was hitting. And I said, and I didn't really know Alex, but I, I, I said, hey, Alex. Uh, he's like, hey, you know, he's very cordial. I said, if you come up, I knew he was hitting third. I said, if you come up tomorrow and there's nobody on, I'm going to throw you nothing but fastballs. And he kind of stepped back and sidecocked me and was like, what? I said, I'm not lying, man. I said, I'm going to, if you come up with nobody on, I'm going to throw you nothing but fastballs. And he kind of gave me a smirk. I said, no, I'm, I'm serious. I want to see if the best hitter in the world can hit my fastball when he knows it's coming. He's like, all right, bro. <laughs> so he comes up the next day. And if I remember right, I started him out with 99 on the black away. And I think he took because he was like, is this real? And then, uh, or it might have been in, but I went away. I went 97, 98, 99, if I'm not, not mistaken. And the last pitch was, I think, like 98 on the black on the inside corner, a literally unhittable. I threw three of the best pitches I could possibly throw as hard as I could possibly throw them. And I was like, and, and apparently the mic wasn't doing, the audio didn't come through real well at Fox because I'm not sure if they even have it still. But I remember thinking to myself, okay, that was pretty cool. I, I just told the best hit in the world. Here it comes. And, <laughs> you know, so uh, that, and, and then uh, my, probably my favorite, like moment, like in, uh, uh, was uh, I, I had an Otani in Seattle experience in 1997. Uh, I, it was, you know, obviously the trading the deadline is after the all-star break in 97 in the Phillies, we were stinking. I had a total no trade clause. And the Indians had made it very clear that they would they would like to trade for me. Mike Hargrove was the manager. And this was the Indians team that should have won. This was Lofton, Bell, Bell. Ramirez, Tomey, uh, uh, Sabathia, uh, you know, uh, Cliff Lee. This was the, these guys were Brian Giles, uh, Alomar. Um, so uh, that, that was that was the conversation. My wife and I, and, and I had my in-laws with me, we got off the plane in Cleveland and the gate agent in, in Cleveland began the sales pitch. Hey, Kurt, how are you? You know, this is a great city, man. There's some, ah. so <laughs> I was like, oh, that's funny. And then in the airport, people had signs in the airport, come to Cleveland, come to Cleveland. Like they, and they knew my flight. They were at my gate. I got into the limo. And it was a couple, uh, a lady and a man up front. And they, I think they took the long route and they did so to show us school districts. Like this is one of the best schools in Cleveland. This is a great neighborhood. Here's where the players live. And <laughs> it was incredibly flattering. And because I, you know, feel like you, know, I grew up a baseball. I was a fan long before I was a player. So I get to the game and, and, the, you know, I'm getting the sales pitch from, from fans, yada, yada. However, and you can go back and look at this because it's on video. The player introductions, I I believe I was, including the Indian players in Cleveland, I believe I got the loudest ovation. And I was like, wow, this was – and I was blown away. I was humbled. I was incredibly honored. Um, and it, it obviously it didn't happen. But uh, that was so fun because it, it was so fun for my family to experience that because it was like uh, – on it being on a college recruiting trip or being a free agent. Um, I had a fallback uh, in the sense that I had a contract with the Phillies, but it was just so flattering at a time when Philadelphia, the front office had had refused to commit to, to 
bringing in talent and it was frustrating and the fans in Philadelphia were frustrated as well, but it was such an amazing experience and something I'll never forget. And, and something my son, my oldest son, Garrick still talks about to this day. So that's tremendous. Yeah, that was, that was so fun. So fun. And then I'll give you my last, there's the one other experience I have was 1999. Everybody remembers the 99 all-star game at Fenway when Pedro Martinez struck out every hitter in the ballpark um, and won the MVP. But the moment I remember was standing in the bullpen when Mr. Williams came on the field in the golf cart and went to home plate and major league baseball, both teams surrounded him at home plate. And I was mad because I wasn't part of it, but I was also starting the all-star game. So I was okay with that. Um, and I was starting against Pedro and that, that just that, because I knew Mr. Williams from being in the Red Sox organization and I loved, and uh, he was such an honorable man uh, and an amazing man. And someday I'll tell some stories about him. I have one of my most amazing stories ever is, is about him um, uh, and his history. So there it is guys uh, ran a little long. I wanted to give you guys a little extra today. Uh, apologize if, if that was inconvenient for some of you, but there's a lot going on. The all-star break second half of the season uh, going to be a lot of fun. And there's some, some amazing, and the trade, this trading deadline, I think is going to be fascinating. I think you're going to see multiple hundred, three, two, three, four, five hundred million dollar players move, move teams. Um, the team we didn't talk about team to, 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 to probably talk about, uh, next week. Uh, what, what's going on in San Diego? Yeah. Right. That, that's a, that's a head scratcher. So, uh, yeah, again, there's, there's whispers out there that yep. Soto could be on the move, which, yep. Yep. <laughs> And, and, well, I, I, and, and I mentioned that because that's another guy I know to be an exceptional. Bob Melvin's one of the best player managers I've ever been around. So be curious to know. Anyway, uh, John, good stuff on the notes, buddy. You, this was an a, a outstanding contribution. Bill, a pleasure always. Uh, I'm going to hop in. Uh, I might actually have a peanut butter jelly sandwich in my RV and then continue my drive back home to Tennessee. So, Do you share it with the boxer or no? Well, so I've got my uh, Puck, my French Bulldog. Ellie is my princess, my little Maltese. Uh, Ellie's 13 going on like 160. Uh, and then I have Thorin. Thorin Oakenshield is my oldest son's uh, English bulldog, uh, who is just a hot mess uh, and just <laughs> awesome. But they, uh, they eat as they see fit. They've been getting snacked out crazy, and they're all kind of just sitting here waiting for me to do something. So I will catch up with you on Tuesday. Miss you this week. Hope you had a great week, buddy. You um, too. And uh, we'll talk to you next week, bud. Excellent. Oh, hey, by the way, guys, Outkick.com, uh, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast now, Apple, anywhere, you can find the Kurt Schilling Baseball Show on those sites. Uh, always want you to go and, and find it through Outkick because that's the, the group of people uh, I love and work with, and I think we're growing something really special here, but you can find it anywhere. Uh, subscribe and like and, and spread the word. Check out our Twitter feed. If you want uh, anything addressed on the show, send us a uh, bill. Yeah, your Twitter address again is BG ESPN at BG ESPN. Okay. And I am at Gehrig, like Lou Gehrig, G E H R I G, at Gehrig 38 at, uh, uh, at, at Twitter. Uh, and by the way, real quick before I go, congratulations to Zach Gallon on the All Star Game start. What an awesome thing that was uh, for a kid so young and a kid so talented. So have a great week, guys. I'll talk to you. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you on, uh, on Tuesday, Bill. <laughs>